0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. So Sunday on Easter, we, we began this conversation, Why Jesus Makes Sense, and we talked about the idea of, of, of life, that Jesus makes sense according to our life issues, because, you know, it, it, the, the biggest problem we have is that I think there's a perception problem. If someone is trying to give you something that you think you already have, you well, you don't need it. I mean, you're, you're not going to accept it. I mean, well, maybe you're polite. You'll take it. If you're like my wife, you'll take it. You know, my wife will take anything you give her, and she will wear it at least once. Which means, actually, for a gag, you ought to give her the most ridiculous thing <laughs> and say, "My dying grandmother gave this to me, and now it's yours." So. Um, so she's nice and kind. Unlike me, I will say, no, thank you. Or, you know, where's the receipts? But uh, um, so the problem with us as, as people is that Jesus' dilemma is that he's desperately trying to give us the very thing we already think we have, life. And the thing that we think we have, which is life, it really isn't life because church. I don't want to, you know, and I, I get all that. I mean, I've had my issues with, with, with church, I guess, you know. Um, but it's not church, it's not a program, it's not a principle, it's a person, it's Jesus. The second problem we have in regards to life is, is just the pattern. We have a pattern of living a certain way that it's almost uh, a, a, you know anti-life. And this, this works no matter whether or not you're you know, kind of a traditional conservative person or perhaps you're a bit, bit more flexible in the way you manage your life. Uh, anything apart from God that becomes primary or a thing that you identify yourself with is usually gonna replace God and it's not gonna give you life. It feels like life, but it, it isn't life. And um, you know, it's usually, to me, it's interesting when usually someone says, like when they introduce themselves to you and they say, oh, I'm a Republican or I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that, and I always think, you know, I, I realize, I, I get it at some degree, you know, it's the, it's the tribe that you run with, it's the group that you're part of, it's the community that, that where a lot of your friends are, but I know and you know intuitively that you're much more interesting than just that thing that you are. There's much more to us than just that thing. Um, And it could be even a a healthy thing. I don't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, have you ever met people that family is so important to them, like somehow if they didn't have family, they would be nothing? And, and and, And Christ comes and says, you're much more significant than this. And even this thing that's good about you taking pride in doing something well is not who you are. It doesn't identify you. So there's, there's patterns of behavior, then there's voices in our head, and all of it can, can block out uh, the very life that Jesus is trying to give us. And then there's the problem of just the fact that Jesus is a person. You know, I was in a conversation with somebody last night. That he and I were chatting for a while, discussing church stuff, and you know, what do you do with people who, who are followers of Jesus and don't like church? And You know, my, my first reaction, I told my friend, I go, that would be like if you told me, hey, Octavio, I think you're a great guy and you're really cool. Which, you know, hello, I am. And so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> stating the obvious. So, but I can't stand your wife. Well, I mean, how do you think we're going to be friends? So when you, when you, when you say, uh, hey, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to pattern my life after him but I don't like church. It's like, you, you are telling God, I really think you're great, but I don't like your wife. Understand that, I listen, I know we're goofy. I know that. I've been in church almost all my life. Well, of course we're goofy. I'm surprised anything gets done. I, I, you know, I, I'm not kidding. I don't mean here, because we're first class, but all the, <laughs> others, all the other jerk-offs in Whittier are just, you know, goofy. <laughs> Especially that church up on the hill. No, not that church up on the hill. But I mean, come on, come on Look at us, come on, we're crying out loud We're goofy And and so when you get upset with people For, you know, they're in church, they should know better Of course we should know better But we're not better That's why we need a redeemer That's why we need a savior Oh, but, you know But you said you read the Bible Yes, it just tells me what I ought to be (laughs) I mean, it, it doesn't empower me to be that thing I need Jesus to be that thing to be the person I need to be. But see, that's the problem. Because Jesus is not a principle. Because Jesus is not a religion. Because Jesus is not a philosophy. Jesus is a person. And because it's a person, then it's personal. And because it's personal, as I said before, that's what makes it uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay. Here's what's funny. Maybe you're like this. I'm actually okay if someone tells me not to do something. Well, not really. I'm okay if somebody I respect and like, you know, let's say he's my boss. I'll put it that way. Right? If my boss says to me, don't do a certain thing, uh, All right. Cool. You're the boss. All right. When someone says, um, <coughs> you know, based on a relationship, this is, this is important to me. And, I, I, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a challenge I have with, with expectations from other people. Are you, are you this way? You know, you know what I'm saying? Where I- if someone expects something of you, there's an automatic thing like you don't want to do it. I, I'll put it this way. Have you ever been on the way to... <laughs> okay, here's, here's a... Everyone can relate to this one. Let's say the sink has dirty dishes, all right? Never happens in my house, but perhaps your home, what's that now? Theoretically, Theoretically, right, because my my house, (laughs) right, there's never an issue at my home. We don't have dogs that sleep in our bed, we don't have goofiness, we're pretty together. But let's just say that my lovely bride and I chose not to wash dishes for, let's say, I don't know, three months, and they began to... (laughs) Rats and things growing, it's growling at you as you walk by in the kitchen. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give my wife a gift. I'm just going to clean those, I'm going to wash those dishes. Theoretically, because that wouldn't happen in real life. So so you walk over to begin to do the dishes, and you hear, my wife says, do the dishes! And you're like, no, I'm out. I can't. I can't. Hell no, I'm not going to do the dishes now. If you know what I mean, right? When, 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 as soon as you go do something nice for somebody, you're like, you're, you're energized. You go, oh, they're going to love me for this. I'm, I'm a good person. Wow, God must be really proud of me. And then someone says, would you please hand me that? Mm. No, I don't want to now. <laughs> the weird thing about having a connection with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ, is that sometimes we treat it that way. That's like, I'd rather be given a list of things to do that makes me a good person than actually be related to a person. Tell me what to do, but I don't want this person to actually know me. I, I don't know why that is. But that's what makes, I think, stepping into a connection to God through Jesus hard because it's personal. Um, there's no pretending. There's no, um, yeah, there's no pret- There's nothing. There's just him saying, I choose you. I love you. And and. I You know, this is why Paul can say in one of his letters, all things are are open to me. Why? Because nothing I'm going to do is going to change how God loves me. That doesn't mean it's beneficial. That just means that God doesn't change his perception of you by your behavior. Experiencing his love is different. But he'll always hang your, your art on the refrigerator door. And we talked about Jesus making sense because of, of love, that, that, that God is love. Jesus is God. So Jesus makes all sense. It's interesting that, that the Bible describes God in all these omnis. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He's, he's, he's that whole power. But the, the Bible never says God is knowledge or God is power. But the one thing the Bible does sum up God in three words is God is what? Love. So that tells me something about even... <laughs> Even as a Latino, you know you think you know romance and love. No, you don't know Jack. You don't, you don't know, not this Jack over here, but you don't know Jack. <laughs> Just giving you a shout out, Jack. You're welcome. Um, that if, if you really think you know love, well, excuse me, John says, one of his closest uh, students, disciples, stated that we don't really know God unless we know love, and we don't know love till we really know God. And then he points out that even our ability to love God happens because God loves us first. And so even loving each other, we, we have to connect to the person that actually, you might say, is love. Um, yeah. But I don't know any other great love story that compares to God's love for his creation. God's, in fact, let me back it up. I don't know of a better love story than the story of God loving each of us in this room. Like the by the way, Amberley, that first song you wrote, that was amazing. That was, yeah, give her a round of applause. <laughs> <coughs> but the second song, the, uh, what was the title of that hymn? Pardon me? Deep How Deep the, Deep the Father's Love. Yeah, you know, I, I, when, when you recognize that, without being romantic about this, without being, you know, warm and fuzzy about this, look, God, Christ, Loves you to the point of willing to die for you. So when you hear, you know, romantic these romantic stories, where the person who loves the object of his, you know, I'll die for you. I it it always I always flash back to God. Well, he would, but God did. (laughs) You know, you could say it, but he did it. And so, no matter what sort of weirdness I bring into my relationship with God things that I'm embarrassed about, things I'm, things I'm proud of, the things I've done well, things I've not done so well. So, I, I choose you, man. I, I, I just love you. You have to understand that. I love you. Qu- quit trying to make me love you. I already do. Let's just step into a connection. Let's step into a relationship. And love actually heals us. As you've heard me say this before, th- and this is why. When... Hopefully you've had somebody in your life who loved you in such a healthy way that it actually made you strong. They began to see things in your life that you didn't see in yourself. You, they began to call out things in your life that you were embarrassed to admit that might even be there. And, and they, they paint... <laughs> I'm going to choke up. When someone loves you, what they're saying is that I, I'm excited about your future. I see who you can be. That's what you... In fact, you know, that's what happens when I, when I think of weddings. Someone says, oh, I, I'm excited about your future and I want to go along with you. And it's interesting to me that often the metaphor that God uses to, to describe his connection towards us is, is the metaphor of a, a wedding. And not marriage, but the wedding. The bride and the bridegroom that day when it's like really... Rawr, everyone's really in love with each other, you know, and then, you know, then life happens. But the, the thing is, is like... Uh, yeah, he says, this is what it's like for me all the time, though, for you. I'm excited about you. I know who you could become. How do I know? I made you. And I I have the power and ability to to drive you and move you towards that place. And look, it's not as if it's like a training thing where it's going to be awful because I went to the gym the other day for the... I don't know why. I don't know why I went there. (laughs) I don't know why I willingly submitted myself to that Dr. Mengla of, of, of gymna- training thing that he did to me. <coughs> but God says, look, I have the ability to make you this a person that I know you can be and, and it will fit you. So it'll be more natural than everything else you've been struggling with. Why do I do this? It's because I love you. So knowing God and loving God is... is From the same muscle, you might say. It's the same part of our souls that work out. We said that this is why Jesus probably, not probably, this is why Jesus makes sense. Because he's God and God is love. And uh, one of the things that, I, as I said before, and, you know, if you go to my home tomorrow, you'll get into the book of John with me, is that when Jesus tells his uh, disciples twice, towards the end, twice in one night, man, if you love me, the way I've loved you, please love one another. The way I've loved you, please love one another. That's that sort of, you know, how do I live like a Christian? Uh, whatever Jesus did for you, yeah, do that for somebody else. That's it. You don't have to get weird or confusing about it. That's not a long list. But now um, l- now we're going to shift a little bit in white, making sense of this, all of this thing here. Um, so here's a group, par- group participation. Let's all stand up and go outside now. We're going <laughs> to line up in a conga. So um, we... Uh, how many of you, what would be the coolest thing that could happen to you? Like, if, wow, if this happened, that'd be awesome. I- I'll tell you mine. I've always wanted to be, um, I've always wanted to, <laughs> this is going to be surprising, I've always wanted to make clothes. <laughs> oh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I <don't laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Otter. you. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I haven't learned how to, but I was the, the daughter my parents never had. I mean, they, my, wi- my wife, my mom. Oh, there's a Freudian slip. Oedipus <laughs> <My laughs> complex, no. Uh, my mom t- taught me how to sew and how to knit, and I taught her how to macrame, and she took, took me to piano and ballet, you know, and, and how, how to wear a wig. And, um <laughs> but I've always wanted to learn how to make clothes, especially women's clothes. That to me, they're fun. This is why I love to go shopping with people women because I got to play with girls clothes and it's not weird, <laughs> except, except when I try them on. Does this fit? Does this <laughs> is, this <being> <laughs> <laughs> is this being recorded? Yeah. Okay. This is why we don't update the podcast because there's, uh, there's this going on. But out of curiosity, if you're willing to admit it, uh, what would be like the coolest thing for you guys to do? Like, wow, oh, this happens to be cool. What's that? Someone said it and then backed up. Oh, dude. I don't know why, metal bands in Europe, American metal bands, especially Germany, they love you guys. Yeah, you should go. I go yeah. There's a dude that works at Rocky Cola as a server here, yeah. but yeah. Dan. Dan, right, but he's like the bomb in <laughs> Europe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. And yeah, the pancakes, yeah, flip them he yells at you when he says, ah! "You know, you don't need your pancakes." <laughs> all right. What? Anything else would be kind of cool to do? Pies. Bake, pies? Yeah, bake pies. Oh, you, you wanted to be a baker. Well, yeah, oh wow. Okay. Do you, do you bake it all now? No, I'm, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. I had that coming. <laughs> uh, no, you said. <laughs> That's all right. What would be another cool thing you guys to do? Pastry, what? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, be cool. My dad was a baker. He, he learned how to, how to bake stuff. Um. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm just... I, just rem- wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot you guys were here, and I was thinking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Anybody else have a cool thing they'd want to do? fighter pilot oh dude blowing up stuff and shooting things yeah that would be uh, oh, we had a wasn't it our niece who was in a jet honey she got to fly off a deck in a jet and it just oh. psh, crazy Did that change my life? <laughs> <laughs> is there another one yes sir <laughs> now that would be actually that would be cool you know what? Actually, I uh, maybe instead of making clothes, I would be like the the astronaut guy. The you know oh, that, that jet powder thing. You that might be the coolest one. Strapping that stuff on. I don't. Know, I don't know if they walk like that, but <laughs> 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 something wrong with that guy. <laughs> Put him in the experimental jet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, so uh, all of these things, fun, fun, fun stuff. What if, um, yeah, that would be really cool. What? So what if you gained the thing that would mean the world to you and then you found out that it wasn't all that? How many of you, you, you got the thing that you really, really wanted? You got the person, you got the home, you, you live in the zip code, um, uh, the car, the job, the title. Uh, maybe you got something done. You, You got work done and you... You thought your life was going to be better. you know. Um, then you find out, wow, it isn't. Something's missing. What should we value? Matthew 16. You wondered if I was going to get to the Bible? Matthew, <laughs> we are, we actually, yeah. <laughs> this is a church, so let's, let's turn to the scriptures. Matthew 16, verse 24 through 26. Let, let me set it up. I'm sorry. I will set it up, and then I'll, then I'll read it. Some of you already know this story. Jesus is at, this is towards the end of his life. Jesus is taking his um, 12 closest students, the, the, what we call the disciples. He's going to the north in Caesarea Philippi. He's, he's at Caesarea Philippi. At Caesarea Philippi, there was this huge, big, big rock. I'm sorry, let's say the rock's over here. Big, big flat rock. There were niches in it, um, and there were certain little gods in those niches. One of them, the most popular one, was the god uh, Pan, P A N. That, you know that half goat half man god with the little flute, um, yeah, pretty, pretty weird, uh, and then over here would be this water thing pouring out, it was this, this whole cave thing, which had a, a temple front thing, water came out of it, this was uh, known <coughs> excuse me, this was known uh, in local time, local culture as the gates of hell, there was this thing, and over here there would be a lot of um, I just was just like a club, a lot of half-nude or nude erotic dancing going on. Excuse me, excuse me. I got a drink coming through, and so a lot of stuff happening over here. Okay, <laughs> so they're in a very Greek area of, of the country, uh, Roman area. Excuse me, Roman area. But but this place was for uh, anybody passing through. You can come worship wh- whatever your god was. You know, whatever, whoever, whatever your god was, come over here. It's kind of like an all-purpose utility temple worship site. Jesus goes there. He starts talking to his, his disciples, and he says, Hey, man, uh, so what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? Some of you know this story. Some, oh, some say you're this, some say you're that. And then he says, oh, Great, well, who do you say that I am? And then, and then Jesus says, Man, I mean, rather, Peter says to Jesus, You're, you're uh, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you almost get the sense he's, he's contrasting Jesus to these stone gods. You know, you're, you're the son of God. You're the son of the living God. You're not like one of these things here. And then Jesus tells Peter, Right, you're dead on. You got it. Um, and and, uh, and 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 he says, and, and upon this rock I will build my church. And so, for many centuries, p- our Roman Catholic friends have felt that the rock was Peter's name, and a reference to him as being the apostolic pope, uh, you know, succession. You know, maybe others have, perhaps evangelical Protestants, like some of us have been, said, so well, that's the rock of confession when someone says Jesus is the Lord. Maybe I'm going to suggest it's just what it is that Jesus is pointing to all of this mess and wi- wild and weirdness, and he says, on that rock, with those people, those people you see they dancing all nutty and crazy and you know, getting their freak on, those are going to be my Christian friends. Those are, those are, that's going to be my church. Ta-da! So, you know. <laughs> 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 So, and so I think that's what's, that's what's being said, just taking, it, taking the story as is at face value. And then so, so then, so then the author says, whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, that Jesus began to talk to his disciples, hey, look, if for that to happen, I have to die. And then Peter says, well, whoa, whoa. he puts the brakes on he goes, no, you're not going to die, that's not going to happen. And, and then Jesus says, bro, you, you, are, you are valuing the things of this world more than the things of God. He actually refers to Peter as being under the influence of Satan himself. Then he starts to read, Then he starts to say this, Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Verse 26. What good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? that's the context of when Jesus says this. The, the thing that's interesting is that, you know, th- I, I noticed that there wasn't anybody, well, you didn't say it out loud, nobody said, oh, I want to be the biggest cocaine distributor in the world, I just want to be that guy, you know, I, I want to be the guy that's involved in all this trafficking, of human trafficking, I mean, I want a piece of all that action, you know, because you, you, you know intuitively that something about that is just wrong, right? And so all of us had maybe different cool, fun things we'd want to do, right? And, and things that would be fun and creative and exciting. And, um, and so I guess the question when I, when I read this and I think about Jesus making sense of it all, trying to wrap up this conversation, is that what is it that means the world to me that I, that I w- would really would love to have or be? And what if I got it and I missed maybe the most important thing? Would it be worth it? So, you know, the answer is no. But when we talk about, what if you lose your soul, forfeit your soul, I, I guess my, my when I first read this, my mind went to, isn't this kind of like a false dichotomy? Do you have to, is it really an either or? Does it have to be one or the other? So for me to be a follower, it doesn't it give you the impression that like to be a follower of Jesus is sort of this miserable, dying, death march to the end? I don't get the world, but I got my soul. Like, oh, great, I got my soul. I missed out on everything else, but I got my soul. Well, okay, maybe you're you're healthier, but that's when I first read it. I thought, wow, it's just okay. I guess it's a death mark for Jesus until I get to heaven or something. And over the years, though, I I began to think, realize that, you know, I'm beginning to see that, look, your soul, you, who you are, you, you're, you're not static. You're dynamic. You're either going to expand as a human being because of wisdom, because of generosity, because of love. Or you'll shrivel because you'll fill things, you'll fill your soul with what you think is life <coughs> and it could be a good thing. But it's not life. You shrivel. You implode. So it could be As I said before, uh, you know, doing a good job, being a good person, heck, even going to church can be one of those things that could give you, could kill you. Because uh, trying to be good and trying to find life in anything other than Jesus is going to kill you. If the Bible is true, I think it is, that that says, in him is life, then by logical (laughs) extension, than anything outside of him is not life. It may feel like life. It may, I think I have life. It's sort of working like life, but either it's true or isn't. There isn't sort of like a, it's sort of lifey, you know. Our souls never remain the same. They expand by God's goodness. They expand by generosity. They, they are expanded by wisdom. They're expanded by love. They're expanded by the things that Jesus values and cares about. I recall when my, uh, uh, it's stupid now when I think about it, but it was a real concern because it had never happened to me before. When uh, When David was born, I remember thinking, wow, you know, I don't know how I could love my son and then love my wife, so I guess I have to love my wife. I mean, I actually thought, that I guess I have to love my wife a little bit less because, you know, I, I, I thought love was like a fixed commodity. I, this, is my, this is the amount of love that I have. And so I have to shave off a, a piece of it, like a pie, and um, give that to my son. So that means I love my wife a little bit less, but at least I got some love for my son. What I discovered is that Love expanded. And so when my second son came, I thought, "Oh, I, I, I got this. I know what's going to happen here." <laughs> he expands again. I recall the when my when David was getting married uh, to Anna, uh, my daughter-in-law. Um, I, you know, he's he's waiting up there for his bride at the wedding, and I, oh my gosh, you know they're 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 going to have kids, and I'm going to be thinking about them, and. What if one of their kids gets sick and has a cold? Their parents are going to worry. About it. Okay, slow down, slow down. <laughs> but I began to realize it was already happening. I was already beginning to expand to include their family. That's what happens to you. That's what happens to all of us when you, when, when, when you allow those things that matter to God matter to you. You expand. You become a larger person. But when we don't have those things, the same values, the same concerns that Jesus does, you shrivel the, uh, at the beginning of class uh, or my theology class uh, earlier this semester, the professor, a distinguished gentleman from uh, Kenya, was asking us what we thought theology was, and there was a lot of you know responses that only eighteen and nineteen year olds can give yes, with such certainty, you know and like such clarity, and um, <coughs> so I needed to correct them, and uh <laughs> you know, theology is only knowing the things that Jesus cares about. That's it. Y- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not downplaying the study of systematic formal theology at all, as long as it drives you to care about the things that Jesus cares about. But when it becomes Uh, information only... Well, let me back up. Since we're all adults here, we know the Bible really doesn't change anybody, right? I mean, how many pastors do you know screw up? How many Christian leaders... Sleep with someone else besides their wife. Did they, did they not read the verse? I mean, that they forget? You know, oh, I, I didn't know that was in there. I mean, you know. <laughs> you think the Secret Service agents didn't know that there was something wrong with what they were doing? Of course not. It's not the Bible that changes you. It's the author of the Scriptures that changes you. It's the person. In the same way I I enjoy studying theology, it's it's fascinating, it's great, but I recognize that unless it's driving me to uh, reconsider and adjust my values and what I care about, it's just information that here's what's tragic. It can make me arrogant. I can quote different thinkers. I can tell you why your theology system is wrong, and I still live like a pig. Yeah, It's the person. Do the scriptures facilitate growth? Absolutely. Does God speak through the scriptures? Of course he does. Are the scriptures life in that sense? That's what it becomes life. Does Jesus have a high regard for the scriptures? Absolutely. He often spoke about that. I'm not telling you that, that the scriptures are not important. I'm just saying that when you make the scriptures the thing, you're still missing life. Theology can be reduced to what does Jesus care about? I figure that out and just do what he he does. See, the more we give value and meaning to or significance to things here and and that we have and own, then everything becomes meaningless. If I... Have you met that guy, met that person that, that just he's all about one certain thing? Uh, could be a band, could be a car, could be could be their garden, could be their political party, and it becomes really, you know, I, I, I know we think we're more sophisticated than this, but it becomes their god, it becomes their identity. I um, I'm trying not to have that problem. There, there was a time where I thought it was th- that politics was going to save the world it mattered. I'm not telling you it's unimportant. I'm just saying in the end (coughs) it doesn't matter. I mean, I was that guy working for uh, (laughs) the first Bush presidency, the calling get the vote out, blah, 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 you know. And I rethought my views over and over and I realized, wow. I thought that mattered. I thought that was going to make a difference. Everything Here's has... Here's what's tragic. Everything has meaning, and yet can become so meaningless, and that's just part of it. That's just, that's just our dilemma. We, we, we intuitively know that something should matter to us, but then when we give ourselves to it, we find out it's just dust and ashes. Something is still wrong. I think part of it is because we really, in the end, we... I've said this before, this is why... This is where it comes from. We... Are meaning machines, and everything we experience, every event, every experience, every thing that happens to us, we attach a meaning, a meaning to it, so quickly wha- and unconsciously. We're not even aware we're doing it anymore. Some of us have something occur. You know, is this is it the beginning? Is it the end? Does God love me? Am I being punished? Is this a reward? Is this good? Is this bad? This is right? This is wrong? It, it just <coughs> constant throughout, throughout the day. I was telling my wife uh, two days ago, I, w- I walked by a group of people. They were all a bunch of young women. And as I was walking by, they started to laugh. And uh, as I continued walking, I remember thinking, you know what? Uh, 15 years or, or, or maybe less ago, I would have thought, for some reason, that they were laughing at me? You, you ever ever do that? You walk by a group of people, they start laughing. You you go, oh, it's me. What did I do wrong? My zipper down? What is it? And I was thinking, thank God I got past that. That the world doesn't revolve around me, and it does. But I mean, I mean, <laughs> they didn't know that. So. Uh, it, 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 and so I got moved forward a little bit in my thinking. Where. Just no longer give importance to the things I used to. And so a lot of the things that we give meaning and significance to, have you noticed, are insignificant? You ever give meaning to something that you thought was so meaningful only to find out it was meaningless? Have you found those times when you realized almost too late that you should have given some thought and meaning to something that was meaningful, but you treated it as if it was meaningless? See, oh, I can tell you what superstition is. Superstition is giving meaning to things that are meaningless. <laughs> stupid. We all had those things, right? Whether whether it's the stupid little rabbit's foot thing, or you don't walk under a ladder, or the black cat, or you don't do the mirror thing. Um, I, you know, coming from <laughs> Hispanic culture, I, I don't, I don't know what. What's wrong with our people? This is why we lost the country. We we have, <laughs> we had, yeah. I re- <laughs> we had a family member tell my wife when she was expecting to put a silver coin on her belly so the child wouldn't be born hairy, because it would it would catch the moon rays. do some of you, or you? If you're Hispanic, you yeah you've heard this right. <laughs> this is this is why this is why this is the United States and not Mexico anymore, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All of our soldiers, put that coin on, girl. The goes. what's going on? So um <laughs> Yeah. And I and, and we can laugh at that. It's funny. But how many of us do stupid things that we think are so important and meaningful to do and they mean nothing? Jesus makes sense because he knows what matters what actually matters. Um, but the things that we give significance to, that we mistakenly do that, all are also determined by the voices that we hear in our head. The voices that have defined us, the voices that we have allowed to shape our souls, it becomes a filter. That it becomes a filter to confirm what we are, it becomes a filter of how we value things. So what if, what if, becoming a follower of Jesus is allowing God to rewire you? Transforming your mind. Romans 12. So that it's almost rewiring you to value things differently. Some of them might be right on. And you can hear him more clearly. Well, actually, that's the story of the scripture, that this is what happens for the rest of our lives. It's just rewiring. And more clarity in hearing his voice. And the more alignment to the things that matter to him. He helps us to interpret events to in experiences that correspond to reality. He, he attaches significance to things correctly, accurately. Um, this is why he makes sense because he knows what's significant. He knows what matters. It, it, it would be as if you had a life coach, mentor, shaman, who is at the end of your life cycle and says, hey, man, I know where you want to go. I know where you, what you want to hit. Here's, here's, I'll, I'll tell you the direction to get here. So, um, <coughs> all of you know how much I love baseball. Because um, <laughs> I'm, what a sports fan I am. So, something pretty significant happened. I, I'll, I'll let the spa- space nuts. The baseball nuts. What was it that happened yesterday? No hitter. Uh, no hitter. Thank you, sir. No and, game, game. Yeah, oh yeah, not, yeah, not a no hitter, a perfect game. In fact, I had to read about it to figure out what that, why that was different. Because, I mean, I didn't know, because I don't care about sports. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't care because I didn't play it. That's the only reason why my parents were worried that i get hurt. So I didn't, which is a legitimate concern, apparently. So, um, um, so yeah, uh, how many times has that happened in the history of the Major League Baseball? Tw- 20 times or so, right. 29? Wait, 20 or 21? Yeah. So this guy who was apparently, is it Humber? Is that his name? number? Okay. Not a, he wasn't a, a big deal, was he? Yeah. He, he's a still a young guy, right? He's old. Oh, he's old, so he's at the end of his yeah. pitching career? Yeah. Oh, man, good for him. I, here's what I thought about. <coughs> How many boys and girls do you think play baseball in the world? Yeah, quite a few. One or two. But then how many move into to pick up street games and organized sport games? How many get to high school and continue playing baseball? How many actually get a scholarship to play ball in college? How many get past their college years about a scandal <laughs> or, or a mess and get to the pros? How many of those guys manage their life well when they become overnight millionaires? They're 23, 22, and they become a millionaire. And they're athletic and young and strong. Like, you know, that's, just a, uh, that's just a recipe for disaster. But, uh, and, and, and then they avoid injury. They avoid scandal. They avoid so many things, and they continue playing ball. And wh- what happens to the person that, I mean, how, many, how often does that happen? That, that how often did that guy walk up to a mound like that? Two feet, three feet, whatever it is. Stared down the plate, 60, was it 66 feet, two-thirds inches, something like that? And I, what was it like when he threw the first ball? <laughs> you know? I, I wonder what pressure, I, the fact that he didn't crack at the seventh or eighth inning, like, is this really happening? I'm making history right now. And for about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, those of you who love the sport and those of us who are beginning to appreciate a little bit of it, he pitched, A perfect game. He was the epitome of what a pitcher should be doing. Perfect. When Jesus came, he lived out a human life. Uh, Born in a, whether it was a a cave or a barn. You know how we have the nativity scene with hay and a little shack, it's all clean, right? You've you got to figure that cave or barn had to be caked in with, with animal feces from all the uses of animals over and over again. Comes born to that family, lives out his life, uh, has to listen to his parents, is a small business owner, leaves his mom's house and his family, becomes an itinerant preacher, and he just lives life with people. He goes to social events, weddings, he hangs out with people who were uh, members of the oppressing army. He, has, uh, he can carry a conversation with people who were highly educated. He also speaks to people who were uh, maybe not as educated. He steps out of his cultural bounds into other worlds ethnically, steps out and violates the cultural wars. I mean, but in all the things that uh, he does, it's difficult for anybody, even if you don't think Jesus is God or Jesus is the Savior. I, I get that. You can't get there. That's cool. Don't worry. Hang on. But it would be difficult to find something to say, You yeah, know, I don't think Jesus did that right. Think of any human quality that we admire. I, I believe you could easily say that Jesus epitomized that in one area of his life. Courage, the right level of generosity, love. He had insight into people's lives. He knew when to answer a question and when to ask a question. I mean, he, he, just, he just was the guy. He lived a perfect human life, perfectly. This is why Jesus makes sense. Look, we run best, or rather anything operates best when it operates the way it was designed to operate. Even a good thing can be bad for you. Ever put milk in your car? Why not? Milk's good for you. No, it's not. Uh, Gatorade. Gatorade's good for you, isn't it? Would you put Gatorade in your car? Of course not. That's stupid. But Gatorade is good. Yes, it's good for, good for a body. But, you know, I mean, it's good for you, but not good for a car. That's not what it runs on. Jesus says, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not a way. I'm not sort of the truth. I'm not kind of a compliment to your life. I am life. If you wish to live as a human being, fully running on all eight cylinders, experiencing your humanity, you must have me. You must have me. This is what he was telling that religious leader, a guy named Nicodemus, in John chapter 3. You must be what? I'll try it again. You must be born again into a new life by him. That's why I think Jesus makes sense for life. This is why I think Jesus makes sense for love. This is why I think he, Jesus helps us make sense of out of everything because he's exactly who we need and exactly what God wants us to become. He's more like his son. When you came in this morning, you were given a guest card to, you know, you can communicate with us and share a prayer request and get on our email list, that kind of thing. But there's also a little box on there in fact, if you guys would pull it out, take a look at it right now. Because we're going to close with this. If, if, if you wish to make a commitment intentionally to become a student or a follower of Jesus Christ, today's as good as any other day. Why, why would you wait till tomorrow? You're already thinking about it. Check off the box. Hey man, let us pray with you, give you a piece of literature, and, and help you start this journey. And here's my... You know, promise is that I know that Christ will give you life. Where you are right now. I don't understand everything. That's okay. None of us did. None of us still do. I I don't know if I believe everything. Don't have to. Step into the moment. Let him be the voice in your life. Let his Holy Spirit be that teacher and guide you into truth as he promised. But step into the moment with us. And, And then stay with the community. We're all trying to figure out how to put Jesus and follow him in our lives and, and work that out. So none of us have it quite together yet. Maybe Dave Adda, but the rest, the rest of us don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why do people laugh? I don't know. <laughs> that was hurtful. <laughs> yeah, this is a great guy, actually. Hey, so, all right, let me, let me pray and we'll dismiss, all right? Father, thank you for this time of this conversation that we've had to to think about why your son makes sense. <coughs> uh, I, I pray for my friends and my family who are still trying to figure this all out, that, that uh, your voice would, would speak very clearly to them. I uh, pray that you'd give them courage to just take their step forward into committing their lives to your son, Jesus, so that they can experience a brand new life. pray that they would do that, whether it's through the card or, or they would come up and say hello afterwards, and we have a chance to talk briefly about that. You're good to us, God. You're good to us. I'm so thankful that you, (laughs) you're not some angry God. Um, I'm glad that you actually help us know who you are by defining yourself as you are love. Help us experience our full humanity. Help us to experience you through our Savior Jesus over and and over over and over. Your son's Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.